1: Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 240 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is October 1st, 2012. Still feels like summer though. We should be deep into fall right now, but we've got a great show for you this week on the podcast, even though it's a bye week for USC, just a game coming up in just a couple of days. USC travels to Utah Take on the Utes on Thursday night, national television game on ESPN, so I'm sure you guys will all check that out. we got some questions to get to. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call, 206-888-6755 is the phone number, or go right to peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you can leave us a voicemail right from your computer. We've Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on the show talking about the USC Trojans, and of course we have Coach Harvey Hyde here in the first segment. What's up, Coach? How are you doing?
2: Well, buddy, it's uh, been a bye week. I'm ready to hit somebody. It's been too long, too much standing around. I don't want to get sore or stale or stiff. Uh, it's time to get back at a tempo that you've got to play at to, to win at. And you can't do it by watching. You've got to do it by playing football.
1: I like it, Coach. Well, before we jump into everything, I know we got a lot to get to. Southern California Tickets has been our sponsor for a long time. Thank you very much to everyone over there at sctickets.com. If you need tickets for anything, call them at 1-800-888-7287. Not just for sports, not just for Southern California, but all over the country. You can go to sctickets.com, and they will help you out. And Coach, uh, we had an interesting uh, voicemail question I think we probably wanted to start the show off with today so let me uh let me play this first one for you here we
3: go hey ryan coach hyde how are you i'm a guy that has the same last name as the coach last name of hyde i knew him from way back in the day i was drum major at pcc's marching band at the same time he was head coach there anyway guys here's what i want to know Why is our offense so incredibly boring? I don't understand. Since we returned nine of 11 starters, the only ones we lost was Khalil off the O-line, and we lost Tyler out of the backfield. But everybody else is returning, so they should already know all of the offensive plays that they ran last year, and especially the ones that they ran successfully. So why does it seem like we are starting over? It's killing me to see other offenses and other squads who have so much less talent that seem to be doing so much more than we do and it's so much more exciting than what our plays are. We seem to have more talent and are doing so much less. Please, Coach Hyde, tell me something that'll make me feel better about this. I'd appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you very much for calling, and I remember you. I can see you going down Colorado Boulevard. I really <laughs> can. With Passing the City College's band and then with USC. I'll tell you, he was a high stepper, and I'll tell you, I saw him at I've seen him at a couple of USC pregame shows a year or two uh, before, and I'm glad everything's going well for you. And uh, yes, that does bother a lot of people. Bothers me, too. I agree with you. I think they got great talent at USC. And in fact, I mentioned it on the Trojan Brunt show that I do on ESPN Sunday that I think it's probably one of the most talented offensive teams in the country. In fact, they went as far as saying that I felt that the roster at USC, whether it's 75 or 85 or 55 or whatever, I wouldn't exchange that roster with any team in the country. Now, some people might say, Coach, you're going a little bit far out there. I don't think so, because I don't know every roster in the country. But I know every roster in the western part of the United States, and I know what type of recruiting job USC does, and I know what type of program and tradition USC has. So I'm assuming we've got the players. I, I go out and watch practice when I say we, USC, has the players to perform at a high level of uh, expectations, uh, That what people expect. Just like this gentleman that called. I think that one thing that uh, flusters most people is you don't see a rhythm. You don't see an identity. You see plays being run over and over and over unsuccessfully yet you don't see other areas uh, being exploited. And I think what happens is you, know, you, you, if they're going to take away your two outside receivers, then you've got to say, okay, take them away from us. Don't force that issue. And utilize the other parts of your offense and your other great receivers and your your other great running backs and utilizing different types of offensive formations and offensive schemes that – take advantage of what they're trying to do to you out there on your two great receivers. Yet you can still dictate to what they're doing out there by how you attack that defense. And it's a cover two, man, cover two, by putting a a pressure, putting a receiver in the flat immediately to bring your corner up and then curl in front of the guy that's playing deep quarters or trying to fly back there and cheating there already to stop the deep route that USC runs. But, uh, yes, I agree with you there needs to be Improvement, and I think that there needs to be adjustments to be able to utilize your entire offensive personnel. I agree with you about Khalil. Khalil was a great player, uh, but everyone's coming back. I think that, uh, that, that FC does not finish. And what I mean by that, they don't finish the game. You're always continuously looking at the clock, even when they're going to win the game, wondering if they're going to hold on. The same type of thing in the Stanford game when they were up 14-7. to I said, gosh, can they hold on when they came out in the third quarter and were shut out in the third quarter after uh, uh, the 14-7 lead at halftime. So, yes, you need to excuse your great players. You need to put them in a position where their talent level can take advantage of the talent level of your opponent. You know, you got Matt Barkley, and I'm sorry I'm rambling on, but you got Matt Barkley, who's a four-year starter at USC. You would think that he would be the Peyton Manning of college football, that you'd just line up on the line of scrimmage, or you'd line up in a huddle and you'd give him a formation, and uh, if you wanted to run, if it was a running down, you'd give him a signal that run the ball, line up in that formation, and let him autobilize to the best play that 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 fits that defense, they're going to run against you in that formation. And the same with passing. Get it, Make it simpler. Let him take control of the game more. Right now it seems as though everybody's always in a hurry. There's no uh, relaxation on the offensive side of the football. So I think everybody's got to sort of cool it, slow it down, don't do as much, keep it simpler. Remember, when an athlete's thinking he's not playing, and if, if you're taking the athletic ability out of the player by making him think, then you're not accomplishing what your goals are. But that's just my opinion. And uh, uh, if they think they're doing the right things, then that's what they've got to continue to do. But my suggestion is when things aren't working as well as they're supposed to work, when you're the 110th in the country on third-down conversions, I'm saying something's not on schedule. Something's not right.
1: Yeah, that's not a very good stat, Coach. Uh, <laughs> uh, f- keeping along with the offense, uh, J.J.B. wrote in. He said, show is great. I love it. Well, thank you for that, J.J.B. He said, Barkley's completed 88 passes this year. About 65 have been to Woods or Lee. He's talking about Robert Woods and Marquis Lee. Why aren't they throwing more to the tight ends in the fullback and even the tailback? It's because they don't have enough confidence that the offensive line can protect Barkley, so they're holding them in the backfield to block and just not sending them out on routes. Fight on from JJB.
2: Well, JJ, uh, I think I just talked about that a moment ago. I don't know why either. Uh, You know, even if you just have hot routes to the tight end, why delay, why curls? I see it every weekend, uh, tight ends all over the country, catching uh, curl routes or quick seam routes or drag routes. Uh, if you're watching the same TV games that I'm watching, you see it. And I know darn well if they're going to double cover your outside receivers, then who's covering the middle of the field? I'm going to tell you, linebackers not going to cover the tight ends at USC. Telfer or Grimble, they're not going to cover them. But he's going to slide inside or work him, if he plays you inside, you go outside. If he plays you outside, you curl inside. And you use the tight end along with the wide receivers to open scenes for both the receivers and the tight ends. Same with the back down the seams. You, you know, you can go down, you can block the tight end, block him up, uh, roll to the right, block the tight end, maximum protection, and uh, send a back down the seam, down the seam, right down the middle of the field, or do different things like that. I used to see him do that all the time with, uh, uh, what's the name of the back? that uh, I forget his name now. Down the sideline that caught a lot of passes. Uh
1: Stanley Havili or
2: Yeah, Havili. He caught a lot of balls.
1: He did well. Balls. He did well for the he, Eagles last night too. He what? He was playing well for the the Philadelphia Eagles. They used him right. quite a bit. Yeah. They
2: put those guys in space. I mean, can you imagine how does a linebacker cover these guys in space? They they don't do it. They don't cover them. It's hard, it's difficult. Uh, so, you know, I but again, you know, you've got to have that they have it as you said in their offense. They have maybe too much offense. What you need to do is do basic things. If I do this, you're going to do that. Okay, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. Run what you call series. I really don't think USC has what you call a series where they complete the entire package of what they're trying to accomplish.
1: Um, Okay, we had a couple other questions that are very similar to that from Andre Martin in Ontario. A lot of offensive questions um so sorry sorry guys I mean I think coach Harvey Hyde uh I think you covered just about everything there there's a lot of frustration there I mean can you see the fans frustration though coach where like you said there is a lot of talent on this team and it could it be where the coaching staff is thinking a little bit too much and you're just not putting players in the in a position to succeed I mean I I think a lot of fans wanted to see the offense continue what they saw the end of last year, and you're kind of seeing more of what was in the beginning of last year when people didn't really know what was going on.
2: Well, I think that's true. Uh, when they said FC was number one in the country, the way they were playing at the end of the year, I couldn't agree more. At that time, they could have beaten anybody in the country on a, new, on a neutral field. Who knows who would have won between Alabama and FC at the end of the year last year. And everyone anticipated that being the start of this season exactly that you pick up where you left off. Like that one caller said, we have all these starters back. There's not much you change. You just continue to get better. And uh, I think that's why there's a lot of frustration. Yes, I I see it everywhere I go. In fact, I try not to go anywhere anymore because (laughs) I'll go to breakfast and somebody will come over and they'll say, you, Coach Hyde. I say, yes, Coach, what's the deal? What's this? What's that? And, you know, uh, I wish you'd get them all to join the the podcast, so I don't have to repeat it over and over and over. But yeah, there is. The people are are flustered. They don't know what to think. Uh, they expect to see what they saw at the end of the season. They know that these re- these receivers are great receivers. But you got to do things to help these receivers. And I know Coach Kiffin is doing his best to to utilize his philosophy. And 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 and, and I hate to say these things the way I say them, but. That's part of my responsibility as far as telling you what I see and what I think. And I just think that you can give them a lot of help by running slot formations. Utilize your tight end more. Make it difficult for them to double-team. Run more motions with them. Do things where you can read the defense immediately because of motions. There's so many different things. Add a screen package. I mean, you've got to work on your screen package. You just can't run it once. It's all timing and where you throw the football and the draw package along with your complete. Don't run as many routes. Just complete your routes with the supplementary routes and then add your screens and draws to it. And and then you're able to have what I call a series or a package. And the same thing with the run. It's not the number of running plays you have. It's that you hit all the areas. you got to be able to run the middle or trap the middle, especially hard-penetrating teams the, their defensive linemen are going one way, and you're going the other way when you hit the middle. Traps are beautiful. You got to be able to run off tackle, and you got to be able to run outside, and you got to be able to have counters off of all of those to come back the other way. So they got to play you uh, straight up. So and then you got to have play action passes off these series, so that it all goes together, and it's very simple to do. You have a complete toss series or a sweep series. You see that sweep play or the toss play in one game, and then you never see it again the next two games. So I really don't know if it's just they don't think it'll work on that defense or they haven't been taught to, hey, we run this play, and this is our play, and we get, when we get on the goal line, I'm going to tell you this right now, we're going to run this play. And, in fact, I used to go goal go line defense and put 12 guys on defense. <laughs> and I'd say we're going to score. And we and I tell them we're not throwing the ball. In fact, we're going to score by running the football. And these guys started to believe in it. Hey, if we can score against our 12, we'll score against their 10. So I used to tell them, they bring their body and you bring your body, and let's get it on. All and right. I think this is, and you know. So I know I'm rambling on, and I no, apologize, no. but I get a little fired up because I feel like the the fans doing everything else when you have. Uh, this opportunity and and i think you know you sort of wonder what's going on you know you know usc is like the white house you know in college coaching i mean when you look at coach Giffin, that's like being the president of the united states you, you got the you got the support you got everything to to help you uh, uh do what you want to accomplish and 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 everybody wants to see you accomplish
1: well you're getting me fired up too coach i like it i just want to get out there and uh Go hit somebody. I think I'd probably fall over, <laughs>
2: break something. Well, don't back. hit
1: anybody.
2: <laughs> Just don't hit anybody. Just go out and hit air, and you and yeah. you know air can't hit you back. Okay? Right.
1: And hopefully it won't hurt me too bad. That's cool. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted to switch to the defensive side uh, a little bit. We got to talk to defensive players this morning, and I do. I forgot to apologize at the top of the show. We didn't have the show out Monday morning because USC's practice schedule changed. I had to be at football practice in the morning when we normally. Uh, record the show so we're doing a little bit later in the day so again apologize for the the lateness I already got a few tweets coach about I'm screwing up people's days but sorry (laughs) sorry about that Uh, you you know you'll get the show on Monday just be a little bit later on you can listen to it halftime of Monday Night Football or something Um, but we got to talk to some defensive players today and it seemed like you know we talked a lot of the defensive linemen last week things seemed pretty secure there Uh, you know we got Dion Bailey, Hayes Pillard, uh, Lamar Dawson, I think the linebacker situation is is pretty solid. Uh, you know, A lot of safety depth. I think that people are happy with that. Nikkel Roby, no one really throws to his side of the ball. It seems to be one spot, and it's that other corner spot opposite Nikkel Roby. Maybe get your thoughts, Coach, on that spot, and then what do you think overall about this USC defense?
2: Well, let's start uh, with the defense, first of all. As I said uh, earlier, and I've said a lot of times, I think the defense has played magnificent. I really do. I mean, that you—that was where the, the question mark was supposed to be. I think the defensive line has really played big. They've played fast. They've they played well enough to be undefeated. I really believe that young players have really matured and come through. Woods, Williams, Uco, Morgan Breslin. I mean, these kids, and I'm, I'm not going to leave out a name, Townsend, and uh, I, I mean, I, I apologize if I left your son's name out if you're listening because I'm just trying to relay this information. They swarm. They play hard. I'm really uh, impressed with how hard they play. Yeah, they occasionally they get hurt on a play, but that happens in any defense, especially when you're playing as hard as they are and, and they run a draw on you, that's going to happen. You're going to get hurt on plays. But they bet they haven't broken. They haven't given up big plays. Sure, the teams get first downs. you got to get used to that they're going to still going to get a first down. You just, you know, you just get back up and go huddle up and get ready to go again. They've created turnovers. I mean, the interceptions, Bailey with two interceptions, Josh Shaw, the great play that TJ McDonald made on that interception. I mean, they've made some plays. There've been some playmakers going on there. So, I think the defense has really played well. I uh, am and uh, I have, and they, like you mentioned, the linebackers. I mean, these linebackers can all run. They can play. Dawson is growing up. Bailey's already grown up. And, and Hayes Pillard. What, what can you ask? I mean, gee whiz. I mean, these are great players. And I have a lot of confidence in them. And I think that they'll continually get better. Now, I agree with you on the secondary uh, spots. Uh, they're loaded inside it. The safety's really loaded. They can't get all their players on the field, such as Bowman and these kids that were J.C. All-Americans, Nickel Roby has done a great job. They just can't really seem to find a fit at that other corner spot. They've got great athletes and kids out there. But I think you've got to settle down and decide who that's going to be, and you got to allow that player to know it's his, and it's his and, and don't lose it. You can't keep rotating players in there, but you learn by playing against somebody his moves, and so on, and you start to to feel comfortable and more confident in it. Now, if you can't get that done, then maybe you move someone out there. Josh Shaw, he was a corner. And I'm not trying to say start moving players, but you can't have a weakness in your defense because people are going to exploit it. I mean, I know what I would do. That would be in my game plan like anybody else's. Like the game plan of teams playing USC that take away Woods and, and Lee. You've you got to be crazy if you don't take them away. Make you, they're going to beat us with somebody else if they're going to beat us, and let's see if they do what they can do to beat this defense. Otherwise, we're not going to change. And Cal and Stanford didn't change. Now, Hawaii, they played man, and you see what happened. So, you know, you've got to be able to correct that. Otherwise, you're bleeding in one spot, and people will take advantage of that. So I certainly hope that Harris gets better and he's well. I know he had some problems. I don't know if he's going to be back because they don't talk about injuries. uh, But you've got young players that can play. You've got to find somebody to get that corner spot secure so that you all feel comfortable on the defensive side of the ball and someone doesn't take advantage of that weakness.
1: All right, and then Coach, uh, we'll keep it kind of short today. But I had one last question for you. Uh, Melvin uh, wrote in. And I thought this was kind of interesting. People, i mean, obviously Utah game is coming up, but people are talking about Oregon quite a bit, worrying about you know having to play them not once, but likely you know good chance twice if USC can take care of business. He says, "What's your opinion? Uh, what, in your opinion, would be tough for Oregon?" This is from Melvin. Speed teams like USC or physical smash mouth teams. Like Stanford, what do you think?
2: Oh, speed teams—you got to match that team with speed. You—the you, only way you can play with Oregon is have the same type of speed that they have. And you've got to be able to run and cover and play your area and and, and be able to stay with them. If you're a smashmouth team, eventually their speed will get to you. So, no, there's no question that speed is is what you have to play that team with. Uh, and uh, there's no question. I think that's why they're going to the way they're going uh, as far as now safety's being put at linebackers and s- so that you can cover the field against these guys, but you've got to stop the run, and they've got such great play action uh, with the Anthony Thomas and Barber and these guys running inside, and then with the ability of their quarterback being able to run like they run and pass pretty good. It- it's a very difficult offense to stop. Yet, you can do it. You saw them do it last year. They can help you, too. by remember, they got to be on. And if you throw them out of rhythm, then their rhythm's off. And uh, they've got to run the football to be able to beat you. They've got to run the football, but that's what sets up their entire offense is their running game. Their play-action pass comes off of the running game. Their keeps come off of the running game. So, you eliminate a lot of things they can do when you take the running game away. So uh, it, it's, it's exciting to watch them play as it is. It's exciting to try to play against them and, and be able to, to defense them. So it's a great challenge, and SC has the athletes. They did it last year. They can do it again this year, and I hope SC does have the opportunity of playing them twice. That means they've had a great year.
1: That certainly would, Coach. Um, well, we want to let you go, but anything, else, any other thoughts coming into this Utah game? You've know, you got a backup quarterback who's been who's been playing pretty well, has got some experience. Any any thoughts before we let you go?
2: Well, I sort of like Hayes, the backup quarterback, better than I like Wynn. I thought Wynn sort of had a, a weird passing motion. And Hayes, when I watched him play one time, wasn't bad. But Utah's been struggling. Let's just face it. They were beaten by Utah State. Uh, they were beaten by Arizona State 37-7. to They got spanked by them. Uh, they've got injuries, yet they've got a great crowd waiting for FC to come there. I mean, they've sold every ticket out. They've got standing room only. The fire marshal is ready to arrest people. Uh, people want to climb over the fence to watch the Trojans in Salt Lake. So they'll be ready to play. This is huge, and there's only one way to beat teams like this. You take the crowd out of the game. You don't give them anything to cheer about. I used to tell my teams, you hear what those people are saying about you? You can't go up in the stands and fight them, but you can certainly go out on the field and you know what out of them. (laughs) And if you do that, those people will become humbled immediately. So sometimes it's great to take the show on the road. Sometimes it's great to spend a couple of days together and then come out united and and show someone. I'm glad you all came. I'm glad everybody got a seat. And also for the rest of you that couldn't get in here, we're going to show you on television. And that would be the attitude I'd go to Salt Lake City with. I think it's an opportunity for SC to get in sync. I think it's a great opportunity for them to get used to playing on the road at Utah because they come back and go to Washington which is going to be absolutely crazy, too. So it's a way of starting a good uh, uh, way of, of learning to take people out of the game.
1: Yeah, a lot of tough road games for USC, man. I mean, you don't see teams like LSU and Alabama going on the road, you know, five times <laughs> like this early in the season. It's kind of crazy.
2: No, they don't They do not do that in the Southeastern Conference. And, uh, and uh, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, yet they love their football down there. You can't ever say, that they're not it's not football country but it is football country and uh football is huge when you get 10 12 people at a high school football game in birmingham and some of these cities i mean uh the towns close up at night to go to the high school football games so they love their football and of course uh, all the west coast people love the football their football too and all you trojan fans love your football team and that's uh uh, why uh, everyone goes out on Saturday and cheers for their team, or Thursday night, and that's why everybody gathers back on a campus. What else would you go back on your campus for very often, or once a week? I can't. I don't know any other reason. Uh, if it wasn't for football and or athletics, I mean, I'm not going back on campus for a spelling bee. Not, <laughs> not, not that it isn't exciting to learn how to spell and congratulations to those little people. But I'm going back because I want to see some. Athletes or I just want to see people compete. I want to see, I was with Magic Johnson today for lunch, and, and I want you to know I love talking to him about competition and winning and where he came from and uh, what the West has done and what sports has done for him. He says, I'm a workaholic. I get up every day at 4.15 and stretch, and I go work, and nothing is better than work. I love it. I used to run around with guys in shorts. Now I run around with guys in suits. I I, I just, it was inspirational to be with him. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, he's that, that's my type of guy.
1: Coach, talk about burying the lead. You had lunch with Magic Johnson. You didn't even bring that up. What was that for? Was that cool? What, what went on?
2: I can't tell you. It's a secret.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. No, no, I just... I'm just
2: kidding you. I'm not kidding you about the lunch. No, we had a... a, a, a uh, a luncheon uh, at the Rose Bowl in the locker room, okay, for the renovation program oh, that's going on there. Yeah, and uh, I had a chance to introduce him and be with him and take a picture with him and talk. And it was just a a great great uh, day. It was because uh, he took time out of his busy schedule to come. And uh, he says, you know, I used to watch the Rose Bowl when I grew up. Every New Year's, we'd watch the parade, and then we'd watch the game. And he says, every year, the same team from the West was playing, USC. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jerry Bussley says, uh, he's, a, he's a Trojan, so he says, I guess i got to be a little bit of a Trojan. And I wore a green shirt for him today, and he liked that.
1: Nice.
2: So, you know, all the things you've heard about him is true. Uh, when I introduced him, I said, you know, I'm not even going to start in what he's done in basketball, but you all know that. I want to talk about who he is, where he's from, and what he's done with his life, and what he's given back. And I said, how do you know magic? When you walk on the field here in the Rose Bowl game, you feel like magic. And I said, magic is known because of what? His smile. He smiles at everybody. When he came in the room today, you know what he did? He didn't eat lunch. He walked around to every single individual in the room, thanked him for coming, and met every one of them. Now tell me, I don't know how many people that are at his level of success and popularity does that, and he smiled the whole day. So, you know, he made me a believer. And I like telling stories like this because... When you don't know someone, you don't really know know who he is. And today, I found out who he was.
1: Well, great stuff, Coach. I'm glad you had a, an awesome lunch, and it sounds—I think ever, all the fans out there would be jealous. I'm jealous that you got to have lunch with the great Magic Johnson. That's great stuff. Well,
2: let, let me tell you. Let me tell you one more thing. Okay. You got me going here, I got a radio show to do here in a minute. But
1: I know. I'm trying to get you off, but we keep. That's talking. all right.
2: That's all right. They can wait. They won't wait. But I'll tell you, I, I want to tell this story. Uh, we asked him. Where did you learn your work habits? He says, "From my parents. My dad worked at General Motors for 30 years. My mother worked in a cafeteria at a school. He says, we used to like to go to the movies. That was about all we could do in Lansing, Michigan, go to the movies. So I'd ask my dad, is there any change for the movie? And my dad would point to a shovel, a rake, and a lawnmower. And he would say, in the winter, take the shovel and shovel the snow off of people's yards, driveways. In the fall, get the rake and rake the leaves. And in the summer, cut their grass. He says, that's the way you'll go to the movies. And he says, that's what I learned from my parents. And it, uh, it's a true story. It's, uh, it's life. It's not like someone hands you something. It's like he told when he went and met with Jack Kent Cooke when they wanted to draft him the number one player and he came out here and they offered him four hundred thousand dollars and he says was well, what does Al Cinder make? Jack Kent Cook said four twenty five. He says, Well I want what he has. Jack Kent Cook said, No. I promised Al Cinder that no one makes more than he makes. So I went home I walked in and I told my dad what he said. and My dad told me, you pick up the phone, son, and call him and tell him you'll take $400,000. dollars i worked 30 years of my life at General Motors, and I've never made that total. He says, I call him. I came to Los Angeles. We won, I forget how many championships he said. I don't want to quote something to be wrong. And he says, and now I love business. It's just the same thing as what it was before. He went through all the companies he has. It was tremendous. It was tremendous. So I can't keep going on because these people are going to get tired of me talking. But but uh, the Rose Bowl is a great game, and he and uh, I liked uh, I like supporting people who work hard, and and uh, and I know you work hard, Ryan, being in every practice, and and people really respect people who work hard. And, and good things happen to people good
1: people well coach thank you so much for sharing that story that's great uh hopefully everyone out there enjoyed it i know i did uh so i hope everyone did as well but thanks again coach and uh, i guess we'll talk to you monday after the utah game see what happens there we'll have a little time to digest everything that goes on before we do the show it should be fun
2: all right buddy thank you and for everybody out there thank you for sending in the questions. Uh, Love answering them and uh, I just do my best and I hope I didn't say anything to get anybody mad, but I think I got a responsibility when I'm asked a question. Thanks, Ryan.
1: Hey, coach. Thank you. Everyone else back in 30 seconds talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber.
0: Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. Now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: We're back here at the Peristyle Podcast. and We have a little change of plans. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to track down uh, the uscfootball.com beat writer near Dan Weber. Uh, so again, like I said, there was a practice this morning, so it kind of screwed up our schedule a little bit. So I'll finish the podcast on my own. We do have a few questions and stuff that uh, we were going to get with Dan or or you know, we talked to Coach Hyde in the first segment with some with Dan, and I was at practice all week too, so I can share my insights and uh, let you know kind of what's going on around with the program. I, like I talked with Coach Hyde a little bit, they we were able to talk to defensive players today, and uh, one interesting guy that we talked to was uh, true freshman Kevon Seymour, and he was getting. We're not really allowed to talk about what guys are doing in practice, but. Um, he told us that you know he was getting more reps in practice. So I think you know Lane Kiffin knew that Torren Harris came back maybe a little too early from the injury, and both him and Marvin Sanders, the USC defensive backs coach, both thought that they played Torrin Harris a little bit too much. Uh, Lane Kiffin all had a lot of praise for Torren Harrison. Knows that he was playing just as well as Nikhil Roby uh, last year before he got hurt. So. Um, Doesn't look like he's going to play as much. I think they asked him to do a little bit too much, but that's the one position on defense where seems to be some questions right now. So look for true freshman Kevon Seymour to play a more significant role in the game on Thursday. We were seeing that a little bit in practice. He talked about that today. We actually have a video interview with Kevon Seymour that will be going up uh, before the game. So you can check back on uscfootball.com for that. And I'm going to get to some of your questions here. We'll try to finish these off and uh, answer those. Melvin actually had a question. Uh, I know we talked about the Oregon game in the first second, but he had a a separate question here. I'll get to now. It says, I now see the issues regarding depth and the limited number of scholarships like this year and offensive linemen like running backs, defensive line and linebackers. He said, with this in mind, can USC survive two more years minus 20 scholarships and still come up with a winning program? I think it's a good question, Melvin, and there's been a lot of questions about uh, that. So just so people know, USC has already gone through one signing day, 10 scholarships down. So that was signing day 2012. Signing day 2013 is coming up in February, and USC's class is already filled. So essentially that, you know, that's a second signing day, as long as there's no major decommitments and things like that, USC will sign two of the three limited recruiting classes with a lot of success. You know, this year, USC's ranked number one in the country. Now it certainly hurts that there's, there's some guys out there uh, that I've seen in, in uh, the high school games I go to that, that, you know, you'll see the coaches check out and they can't really take them just because they don't have any more room. So it, it's certainly not, an ideal situation, but they're doing the best they can. And, you know, signing the number one class, even with limited numbers is is a pretty impressive task. So that will be two of the three recruiting classes pretty much done, and there'll just be one more after that. This is the first year of limited scholarships, and we've seen the team, you know, know, have success. uh, You know, it's still highly ranked. It's not number one or number two or three anymore, but, you know, still a highly ranked team. Uh, doing well, there'll be two more years after that. I don't think it's going to be a, a major hurdle. Uh, we'll see how they perform on the field next year. I do think that they'll still recruit 2014 that class really well. And once you survive the recruiting part, I, I think everything else is just kind of it should be a little bit easier. You know, recruiting to only 15 is a difficult situation. You know, they did did well last year doing well this year for the class of 2013. And I think the class of 2014 is looking good as well. So I don't think you should be worried too much about that, but there are spots where you could get, you know, thin in certain positions. Um, and, and who knows there's, there's bright surprises and there's, there's other areas where you think there's a strength, like on the offensive line with four starters returning. And you could argue the offensive line is playing a lot worse than the defensive line where you lost a ton of people and had other guys get injured. so, Defensive line looked like it was going to be devastated. And, you know, they're actually playing really well. And part of that is because of recruiting, you're bringing in guys like Morgan Breslin and Leonard Williams. So players like that coming in the program, if they can perform right away, then yeah. And and I guess the big issue is when you're bringing in 15 guys versus 25, you know, say you brought in Leonard Williams and there was another defensive tackle. And if, if Leonard Williams didn't work out, maybe the other defensive tackle would. So you kind of have to hit You know the guys that you're bringing in because you don't have that second chance. Where if you bring in two guys at a position, maybe you only need one of them to play. Um, So yeah, Melvin, I don't think it's a it's a big concern. It's, but it's a it's an issue, and 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 I don't think it's something that's going to keep the program down. You're seeing the program perform well. Uh, You know they're they're hanging with. You know it's not like they're getting devastated. You know crushed by a player. I think Penn State's going to be crushed uh, in the years down the road. I don't think the same thing's going to be happening for USC. So. Hopefully that helped. Uh, this one is from Martin. He said, from what I heard and the highlights that I've seen, do you think Abe is going to take over for Marcus Martin at left guard when Khalid is playing center? And do you think Lane should open up the competition again at left tackle? Well, again, we can't really discuss um, who's getting what reps uh, and things like that. Uh, you know, we, ha- we have seen Khalid Holmes uh, around this week, and I think Abe Markowitz is going to find his way onto the field one way or the other um you know we've seen all those guys though i think there's a lot of options for usc now on the offensive line and i think that max turk has played well enough that you know he'll push for competition we asked lane kiffin about that today he said both of those guys are getting equal reps at left tackle and there has not been a decision as of yet so um, I think they're in a better position now than they were a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you have to remember against Stanford, you didn't just have your number one center out, you had your number two center out. And as, as good as Aiden Markowitz played, I know Lane Kiffin would really have liked to have Markowitz available and not have to go with uh, freshman Cyrus Hobby in that game. So, yeah, th- I think the competition's still open. Uh, that's what Lane Kiffin said this week in practice, and we'll, we'll see who ends up starting and if they rotate guys or uh, how that's going to go. Uh let's see. We have Michael in uh Toronto, and he said maybe I'm just a little frustrated with both our offense and defensive philosophies. Uh and especially he said is more so after watching uh the Stanford and Washington game. Uh he said our offense is predictable. I Woods or Lee leave the game, guess what? We run. And he said the middle of the field is a, like a do not enter zone. He said the defense is bend but don't break. It does not work. He wants to attack the quarterback. I cringe every time. The other team is third and long against us. Can our athletes, who are supposedly better, not just play man-to-man? Uh, with Utah's inexperienced quarterback, we you know, we should dare them to pass, stack the box, and blitz like there is no tomorrow. That's, again, from Michael in Toronto. And I think the, the gist, it wasn't really a question, he, and he said that uh, originally. I think the gist of that is are the coaches doing a little too much thinking sometimes as opposed to letting the athletes play? And, uh, and I, I think that's true. I, I think, you know, we talked to Dan Weber uh, Dan Weber and I both talk at practice and there's something that comes up, you know, quite a bit, like, why isn't USC doing this? Why are, why, why are they doing that? And I think part of it on offense is you're seeing all these bubble screens and is it, is it hurting Matt Barkley's development? Uh, Is there something going on where they're not able to throw down the field because of, you know, some unknown reasons? We're not hearing why. It's not obvious from watching these guys why the ball isn't going down there. And I I think for charging fans, the biggest issue is this team and coach Harvey Hyde said it in the first segment. This team is, was playing so well at the end of last year. And with everyone returning you expected to see that continue you expected to see them playing offense like they did towards the end of the season and not in the beginning and for whatever reason uh that's not really happening and you know you could say it oh, was it Robert Woods cuz he slowed down um you know we talked to Robert Woods this week and he said just like Ronald Johnson I mean he wasn't practicing every day uh Woods doesn't really need to be practicing every day uh there does seem to see there does seem to be some discrepancy between how they were playing last year and this year, even though Robert Woods is healthier this year. He was he was kind of on a bum ankle uh, all of last year, and he seems like he's a lot more healthy now. And Marquise Lee is better. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard, and I understand where USC fans are frustrated that this offense isn't performing quite as well. And I, I, something I brought up with Dan today, and I was listening to, I think it was Colin Coward, and they were talking about, some NFL guys and NFL quarterbacks and and guys that make plays off the script as opposed to guys that if the script isn't there, that play isn't working, did you make something happen? And we were trying to think of a play that Matt Barkley was asked to make, that when the script broke down and and the play wasn't going to work, did he improvise and something else go on? And I think he did that quite a bit last year. And I remember uh, him throwing to – so a Vanuku on a play where he almost got sacked, I believe that was in the Hawaii game. It's kind of an improv, you know, improv play there. I don't remember a whole lot of of other ones. And is it a case where you're trying to control what this offense does and you're going with first or second options and and that's the way Lane Kiffin wants the offense to go, as opposed to being a little bit more free flowing. Um, I'm not really sure. It's hard it's hard to say. I mean, we're gonna keep watching the tape and we keep watching practice, trying to figure out you know, what isn't quite right, but if it follows the same script that it did last year, it will start to open up a little bit. And I think on defense, you have a lot of strong coaches that, uh, you know, it's not just Monty Kiffin. I think there's a lot of strong coaches there. They're, you know, maybe it's because they, they've tried a whole bunch of different things and those haven't worked. So, Hey, letting our athletes run and, and go after the ball and attack. Maybe that's what they feel is the best thing to do. I, you know, talking to Dan and and myself you know we look at that and we're like why aren't these guys why aren't you letting these athletes go you know there's a lot there's not as many big guys there's a lot of speed guys on this defense and i think the defense has played really well we we're not seeing that correlation though on the offensive side and there's too much talent there for them to be letting defenses dictate what they do and and we none, none of us get when the players say well uh, a team is taking away the deep ball. We weren't expecting that, and it, it's frustrating. Well, I mean, by the, the fifth game of the season, if that's what pe- teams are going to try to do, then I think you should, shouldn't be a surprise. You should be able to expect it now. And the other thing is, and I don't quite get, if, if Hawaii's out there saying we're going to take away the deep ball, I think you have better athletes on USC than Hawaii, and you should still be able to throw the ball deep. I don't care if they say... This is something we're going to take away. I mean, there's other things you can do, but you should still be able to throw it up to to Marquis Lee and and make it effective and and make things happen there. So there's something that's not quite right, and you know maybe it's part of the pressure of being a highly ranked team. And um, I don't know; it's it's really hard to say, but we'll see on Thursday. I mean, we, you want to see this offense kind of open things up a little bit more and and get the ball down the field. I think Matt Barkley looks a little frustrated at times when he's throwing these little bubble screens, and you're going to Marquise Lee or a Robert Woods kind of in, in short things or running across the field. Uh, you'd love to see them get beyond the the box and throw a little drag crossing around, something over the middle. Uh, you know, pushing the ball downfield is great too. Um, and if they are taking the ball, you know, away deep, I mean, Nelson Aguilar showed that he can and make some plays if he gets in the game. But obviously, you got the tight ends and and some of Vanucco out of the backfield, or even the the running backs out of the backfield. I think there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, I don't think Lane Kiffin minds being able to to run the football effectively, and I think they did, you know, running for almost 300 yards against Cal. But the the issue that I had, and we talked about this on on USCFootball.com a little bit, and 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 you know, the podcast last week, we got a little we got some feedback on that when uh, when when I brought that up. But being able to run the ball in short yarded situations. I'm curious to see with a, a really good defensive line from Utah, what happens in third and one, are they going to get, is this offensive line going to get knocked back or are they going to be able to, to get some kind of surge and, and push the ball through? And, you know, we'll see. It's not a, obviously it's not a great Utah team, not as good as I thought. I thought this was going to be that kind of trap game that could hurt USC. And, and obviously Utah has been not been as good, but you know, it's, it's not a, a, a gimme win, um, and USC hasn't played all that well in, in some of the games they've been in. They played better in others. Uh, obviously, against Stanford, that was the one where you really needed to play better than you did, and, and they did not. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in, in Utah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a game that when you talk to the USC players, they know that this is Utah Super Bowl, and you're probably going to get a better effort than you've seen Utah play in other games against Utah state and things like that. You're, you're going to see them play better that way. The question is, and I don't think it really matters too much about how Utah plays. It's going to be about how this USC Trojan team plays and they should be able to score. They should be able to win this game with either offense or defense. And if you, they both play well, then you should blow this team out. Um, we'll see. We'll see if the, the offense comes to play. We'll see if Matt Barkley gets back into that Heisman trophy rhythm. Um, you know, it, it hasn't quite been there. You know, first two games, he had 10 touchdowns. And, you know, after that, not as much. And, you know, five interceptions through the, the first four games is, is not really what you want to see. That's more like his freshman or sophomore year in terms of number of interceptions as opposed to his junior year when he, he played really well. So we'll see. I, I think that the most important thing right now for USC is to get this offense going. That's why we had all those questions about the offense. I think the fans realize that, too. We will see how they come out and play. Uh, I think the defense, you can you can feel pretty good about it. And maybe a little bit more constant pressure from the defensive line. They've made some big plays, but you want to see kind of constant pressure there. Uh, the linebackers, I think, are playing well. And then obviously that other corner spot that we talked about, who steps up and plays there. Watch for Keevon Seymour. We really liked him out of high school. I think he's going to come in and, and play really well uh, for USC. We'll see how much he plays. I'm not sure how much he's going to play. Torin Harris. You know, Anthony Brown, they've tried a lot of different guys there, so we'll see how that all turns out. all right let's uh we can end the show with uh one last voicemail question. This was actually for Dan, but I will give it a shot uh here we go.
4: Hello, Ryan and Mr. Weber, thank you for answering my question last week. um the question this week uh is a little bit of a follow up uh, to the previous one, and that is it seems like um the athletic department. As a whole, is in a good frame of mind, and you know whatever happens, positive or negative, it's always put in a you know a very um, aggressive and open approach as to you know we're going to get through this, we're going to do well uh, in spite of whatever happens, you know whether it be the NCA or, or losing the game or whatever. But it's all we always seem like the schools in a positive frame of mind. So can you kind of talk about just the evolution of that, uh, you know, ever since uh, Mr. Hayden took over as athletic director. And again, this is Garrett Witt from St. Helena, uh, the uh, reporter. Thank you for your time and have a, have a nice weekend. Take care now. Bye-bye. All
1: right. Well, thanks for that question. Sorry, Dan's not here to answer. another. it's a softball, you know, talk. Hey, talk about all the positive aspects of the program, but I think you're right. Um, I mean, it was it was kind of a downtime when obviously the sanctions came back in 2010. Uh, people weren't real happy. You know, Pete Carroll had left. There's a lot of negative things that were kind of going around the program and bringing in Pat Hayden. I think he brought he took a lot of criticism and he still does. And uh, when you're in a position of power like that, you will be criticized. Lane Kiffin's been criticized plenty by everyone, you know, USC fans, everyone else across the country. It, it, it happens. Uh, but I think that that Pat Hayden has been a, a good leader as far as trying to keep the right attitude, uh, keep it positive around USC. Uh, you know, Opening something like the, the John McKay Center. I mean, I you just talk to the guys down there. They're beaming. I mean, they're so happy uh, something like that happened. It was almost like when you talk to some of the basketball players, the old school basketball players, guys that played in the 50s and 60s, and they were told on their recruiting trips that USC was going to open a, a campus arena um, to play basketball, and until the Galen Center came, and you know how happy they were to see something like that happen, and and I think everyone knew that the program was way too good to have the kind of facilities that they did. And once this opened up, and all the athletes were getting to use it, the football players and the all the other from all the other sports, everyone was just kind of beaming about, "Wow, this is a great thing for USC." So it it took you know the pre the biggest negative I saw it wasn't about losing games or. You know, losing to Stanford was a big one, but the sanctions hitting, I think, just really took the the whole program down a notch as far as you know what they were feeling and what was going on. And and really, it it was almost completely reversed when the the John McKay Center opened and all the excitement that was around the program for something like that. Uh, we mentioned the Stanford loss too. You mentioned you know losing a game. That's the first time, and I, you, you get the feeling that there was some pressure on these kids. There certainly was pressure. I've never seen Matt Barkley or TJ McDonald answer questions like that. I mean, they were devastated after that game. And they talk about the 24-hour rule. And, and, you know, since then, they've been fine. Like, everything was kind of back to normal, and they, they got that positive attitude back. But right after the game, we were in there, you know, listening to them address the media. Obviously, a really tough spot to be in. And it was difficult. I mean, they had a really tough time with it, but I guess you can give credit to the coaching staff and, and Pat Hayden, and everyone, you know, the culture that they put around there because they did bounce back. And uh, you know, they know that I, I think at that point, they really thought that the the chance to win a national championship and all the unfinished business talk and all the, the work that they did in the off season. I think if you, they won't say it, but they almost felt like, man, all that work is kind of out the window. And, then, and I think now you start to realize that they could still control their own destiny. They can still easily win the Pac-12 South. You can still easily go to the Pac-12 championship game and go to the Rose Bowl. So uh, that's, you know, at minimum is what you can do. And and still losing that early, you can make a run at the national championship as well. That, I think they realize now it's more about them, even more than it was before, that they have to play well. Uh, they have to start winning games, and you don't have to win them convincingly, but you know, win, win some games here where you impress the, the rest of the, the voters and stuff and, you know, the rest of the country and, and you should be OK. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the attitude around USC has been positive. I mean, a lot of people just assume when I talk to them, oh, aren't the, the sanctions over? Like, uh, no, especially before the season, they hadn't even played a single game at 75 scholarships. So, um, I mean, the program right now is a lot higher than you than it realistically should be considering the sanctions that were handed down. It's just, if you can go about your business, it's almost like an offensive lineman. If you didn't call their name throughout the whole game, uh, they're probably doing something well. If you can kind of get through all these sanctions without even realizing a lot of the times that this team is playing 10 men down every week, uh, then you're probably doing something right. And Lane Kiffin can get a lot of criticism for play calling or, what he's doing or how he acts and treats the media, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, it's, I don't know if you're going to find a better recruiter. I don't know if you're going to find a better recruiter who can recruit with sanctions like that and, and find whatever advantage he can get for his squad to, to bring in as many guys as possible and do it. And then still have a very competitive program, you know, on the field and go out there and, you know, win as many games as possible. You know, we won 10 games last year. That was a, I don't want to say it's a miracle, but it was, it was pretty impressive and we'll see what he does this year. There was a lot more expectations. It was a tougher situation. I think they can be a little more, you know, I guess free with things now that, that they've, they've lost a game and there's really nothing to lose anymore. Just get out there and, and, and try to win all you can. We'll see how they play. Like I said, against Utah. And then they got some tough games coming up. Uh, you know, you, you lose a few of those games, you lose to a, a UCLA who's looked like they have played well or a Notre Dame or, or get, you know, beat badly by Oregon, I mean, yeah, then I think things can change, but they certainly, you know, have the, the opportunity to win all of those games. And if you do, if you go, you know, you're winning your, your rivalry games, you beat Oregon and get a chance to maybe play them or Stanford or someone again. Um, I mean, you got to take your hats off to him because it's he is playing with 10 men down and, and other people don't have those same kind of restrictions. So, um, Long answer to the question, yeah, I think uh, you got to have a positive attitude about things. And I think the program has been since that initial, you know, the the dump that was put on them by, you know, the NCAA and and how negative that was. They've kind of changed that, turned it around. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you're going to pass signing day in February. There'll be one more signing day or one more recruiting class that they'll be working on throughout the year. They finish that off and, you know, then it's just really you know, you're on the downhill part of the sanctions, and then they can come out, bring in a lot more guys. And I think, as, you know, as long as they're winning games still, it, you know, I think there's a, a really positive message that can come out of the program that if they come out and, you know, make a few good bowl games and, and make some runs, you know, beat a lot of teams, beat your rivals, you know, you can come through those sanctions relatively unscathed and then try to get back to the business of, you know, building this program to it have 85 scholarships and, and make those runs at the national championship every year like they did with with Pete Carroll. So I think that's what a lot of the fans expect of Lane Kiffin. I think that's what Lane Kiffin expects of himself. Uh, you know, the the end of this year, well, I think will tell a lot. And and next year, I think is going to tell a lot too, because it'll be you know the first year without Matt Barkley. All these talented recruits are in there. Can you make them mesh together? Uh, can you get them to play well in the beginning of the year and, and start to play like a h- cohesive unit? towards the end of the year. But hopefully that answered your question okay, and everyone else hopefully got all your questions in, uh, did our best job for that. Don't forget, Thursday night against Utah, 7 o'clock, I believe that's Central Time, uh, 6 o'clock local here, or no, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, uh, 6 o'clock PM local on the West Coast. You can check that out on ESPN. But uh, thanks to Coach Harvey Hyde for joining us in the first segment, and again, apologize for Having the later podcast today, USC's practice in the morning kind of pushed it off. And then we did lose track of uh, Dan. We'll bring him back next week though. So no worries about that. Thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. And we'll talk to you all next week.